1: So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today. So late yesterday afternoon, the House of Representatives passed a bill uh, that is uh, was titled the DC RFK Memorial Stadium Campus Revitalization Act. It passed by a vote of 348 to 55, which many people believe is a significant hurdle cleared uh, that will ultimately end up and conclude with the commanders moving back into DC at the RFK site. Jumping on with us right now, courtesy of our BetQL guest hotline, is Joe Maloney. Joe currently is the senior VP of Uh, At the American Gaming Association, Uh, he knows just a bit about sports betting now, uh, probably a lot more than he used to know. But before joining the American Gaming Association, Joe was the head of public affairs uh, for the Washington Commanders and the Washington football team before that. And Joe jumps on with us courtesy of our BetQL guest hotline. So, What I'd like you to do, and you're always good at doing this, is just kind of walking through chronologically how we got to yesterday, what happened yesterday, and then what's next. And then we can talk about sort of the percentage chances that this ends and what we all want it to end with, which is the skins back at RFK.
0: Okay. Good morning, Kevin. Thanks for having me on. You know, last night was a monumental uh, moment and a sort of a dramatic, the important event for two cohorts of people, those that believe in home rule and the district to have the ability to self-govern and to have the opportunity to control their own economic destiny when it comes to public lands that are in the hands of the federal government and currently unused. And then the other cohort of folks are those that would like to see the team go back to, to RFK. So, it was a it was a massive hurdle to have to have jumped over and to have crossed and the work began i mean ne- nearly a decade ago kevin i you know this has long been identified as an opportunity for the club as far as its next home, this parcel of land and previous ownership had invested some resources and had devoted some capacities in partnership with the mayor to Engage Congress on this important question. And and as your listeners know, and as you well know, an act of Congress is required. This is not a perfunctory step. This is not a just-in-case step. This is fundamentally required because that parcel of land is owned by the federal government. It is under a lease that expires in 2038, and it has a significant use restriction in that lease, which is for purposes of a stadium and recreation only. So only an act of Congress would change the terms of that lease or set forward a path to transfer the land fully to the district. During my tenure, I would say towards the end of the Snyder ownership and you know six months into um, Josh Harris and his uh, investor group owning the club, the effort was to be far more substantive than what had been deployed in the past. What had been deployed in the past by Dan and Bruce and others and even the mayor's office was to get this thing tucked into a much larger legislative vehicle, usurp the powers of committees and what's called regular order in the house and in the Senate, and just try to get this thing done in a majority leader's office or in a speaker's office. And we knew that, you know, the definition of insanity is trying something again and again and expecting a different outcome. So uh, during my time with the club and under the direction of Jason Wright, it was like, let's do the work. Let's actually go through regular order and see if we can identify somebody that can write a bill, that can work with the city, that can work with the club. And here we are. We found that dance partner and the chairman of the Oversight Committee, Mr. Comer. Mr. Comer worked across the aisle with Democrats and Republicans in his Oversight Committee to, uh, to, to get this bill authored, to get it written to go through a massive stakeholder process across the federal government, across multi-jurisdictional committees to write this bill that passed his committee on September 20th, but then uh, a week, week or two ago passed the house natural resources committee, which also has jurisdiction over public lands, his committee, the oversight committee has jurisdiction over DC government. And here we are, It, it sails to the floor of the house, Kevin, and has just a massive, massive bipartisan vote. So kudos to the mayor's office, uh, to Mr. Comer, to Delegate Eleanor Holmes-Norton, who honestly have been working on this for, for, for so long. So it's a great moment for the city.
1: All right. So what's
0: next? What's next? So, you know, and, and I would caution, I've, I've read a few things in some media publications this morning where it says something in, in quotes, expected passage in the Senate. It's it's just not that easy, uh, in in no small part due to the fact that the District of Columbia does not have Senate representation. So you have a bill that will obviously now pass the House. It will will go to, in some procedural constitutional way, Kevin, it'll go over to the Senate and it'll go to the Senate as what's called a House-reported bill. The House-reported bill will go to the Senate parliamentarian and the Senate parliamentarian will review that bill, try to understand what the jurisdictional assignment for this bill will be. And it will send it to that committee that has a jurisdiction over public lands and national parks. It's likely to be the Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee, which happens to have a committee specifically devoted, a subcommittee devoted to national parks. It will go to that committee. But again, there's not a D.C. senator in that body. Uh, I can't imagine the Maryland senators are going to be really eager to take this up. Can't imagine Senator Kane or Senator Warren Virginia will be eager to sort of carry the torch on this. So the real work really kind of begins right now. And I think the good news is that Mr. Comer, the city, the club, you know, have been communicating with this committee staff over quite some time. This is something, Kevin, let me be really clear for you and your listeners. This is something that the government does all the time. They dispose of federal lands. they dispose of unused federal resources, and they give them back to localities, and they give them back to local jurisdictions. That is a popular Democratic and Republican- Right, for
1: monuments, for those kinds of things in the city.
0: You know, unused post offices. Right. You know, it it is a thing that happens. Republicans like it because it's shrinking the size of the federal government. Democrats like it because it's empowering these local officials to do things like economic development or affordable housing. So just because there isn't a D.C. senator, it is still very much in the wheelhouse of this committee. It's on this committee's charge. They, they, they will have every opportunity to look at and consider this bill. I think what's really important right now, Kevin, and for, you know, it was something that I, I worked on specifically, and it's something that I know the city and the club are going to continue to work on, is to get this bill in front of this committee, get it a hearing, and get it a markup, meaning a markup, the senators would come together and consider and formally vote on the bill to get it to the next phase. Uh, There are you could hotline a House reported bill and have it go for unanimous consent in the Senate. That's not going to happen here because it would require 60 votes in the Senate and there's too many people that would object. Uh, So but if you get this through a bipartisan vote in this committee, which is chaired by Joe Manchin and the ranking member is Senator Barrasso, You have the opportunity then for this legislation to attach to a larger legislative vehicle that is leaving the U.S. Senate at some point between now and the end of the year. So on timing, timing, I think the hope would be to get this done before the end of the year. There's a couple of different opportunities. One, there could be what's called a public lands package that moves through the Senate, and this would certainly be germane to that because – after all, it's a 174-acre parcel that is a public land. There is a national defense authorization that has to go through usually every year, and despite the dysfunction of Congress, they always find a way to do that. And then lastly, obviously, with this being election year, and you're reading a lot right now about potential government shutdowns and funding deadlines, there could be a lame-duck Congress because, again, a new Congress will start next year. There could be a lame-duck Congress after the election, and before the 30 before you know New Year's Eve, basically, where they have to get a spending bill done, and this could be engrossed in that spending bill.
1: Joe Maloney's joining us. Joe was the head of consumer affairs, public affairs for the Washington football team and the Washington Commanders for several years. He's now with the American Gaming Association. He was the point person within the organization on all of this stadium talk. So I I want to Fast forward and tell me if I'm going too quickly here. But if for you know, everybody, everyone hopes if everything got voted on and approved, and the stadium was in the stadium control had you know this amended lease and this ability to do everything that a football team would want to be able to do at the new stadium site, that's when the negotiation begins. And to me, that's not a given. I know that there is desire from Josh Harris to move back into the city. There is desire for the city to have the team move back in to the district, but It comes down to the team getting a deal that makes sense. So, if we fast forward to, okay, the city now has the ability to do with this parcel of land what the team would want to do. Tell me about what happens next in terms of negotiations over a deal and whether or not, you know, it's like a slam dunk that the team would pick DC or that DC would have the right offer for the team versus Maryland or Virginia.
0: Sure. Yeah. Happy to happy to do that. So let's assume everything that's taking place that you described. It's the beginning of 2025. At that point, you know, and again, and and what I would say about Josh and, and the ownership group is, they believe what we've always believed, which is you you can't call this a multi-jurisdictional exercise without DC being at the table. So DC is now at the table uh, under a scenario that you described where. It is, it is this incredible and spectacular opportunity, and all of the policy mechanisms are in place to afford it to take place. You would, you would go into probably – I would guess I – would, I would gather you'd go into an exclusive no- negotiation period with the city. Let's say it's 90 or let's say it's 120 days. Perhaps it's a little bit longer.
1: Why um, would you do that?
0: I think, well, one, you would afford yourself the opportunity to say you're not running sweepstakes that you can say and state with some level of intention that you are going to provide, let's say your option one exclusivity on a negotiation period, but that's all it is. Kevin, remember, it's just a negotiation period. So you'd work to get a deal done. That period would expire. And let's say what comes out of that is a deal. Okay. And, and, you know, maybe it's a handshake agreement and you, you know, you, you prop up a tent and you go out to RFK and you announce it at that point, at that point, that, agreement needs to go to the city council, and the city council then takes on the job of approving that, particularly if it involves a public-private partnership, i.e. public monies being devoted to the project, and that even includes general revenues or bonding authority that might be issued by the uh, by the city to back any any bonds that are used for the construction of the development or the stadium itself. That is going to be a massively politically fraught exercise, right. I would say, just given the politics on the council right now. And what's interesting, Kevin, too, and I sort of would remind you and, and your listeners, you know, just look at the D.C. United example. You know, Mayor Gray negotiated with the team and produced a construct that was a land swap. And he took that deal to the council in the summer of, I believe it was the summer of 14 or the summer of thirteen. And it wasn't until 18 months later, Kevin, that the council approved that deal, and they went from a land swap to actually a land transfer and land purchase. So you know, A, for, for those that perhaps are you know anxious about this moving too fast right now, boy, there's still a long way to go. Um, there's still going to be a massive uh, input opportunity, a significant and substantive input opportunity for the council as well. And right. ultimately, this becomes something where, like, you're deploying a significant amount of political capital amongst the, the club and the mayor's team to try to get this done. So, you know, timelines are really, really difficult, you know, because I just described something, an exclusive negotiation period that would begin in 2025, right? Yeah. The, a deal might not get approved until 2026, right? You might who, be who negotiates
1: at, the D.C. Uh, portion? Who negotiates on behalf of the city with the team? when that let's sure. just say a 90 to 100 day exclusive you know window for negotiation with the city opens who does that for them
0: yeah, so jurisdictions are different. Uh, obviously, this will be run out of DEMPED, the Deputy Mayor's Office for Planning and Economic Development. It won't surprise you that they'll have land use experts and, and counsel, outside counsel in many instances. And, and so what you'll find usually is a city will hire outside counsel to work with their in-house counsel and with their you know point person on economic development to negotiate a deal like this.
1: We're talking to Joe Maloney uh, about the stadium deal. Joe was involved in all of these conversations with Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. for a few years uh, as part of the commander's organization and the head of public affairs. So one last one, because I, I, I'm just trying for everybody. We've got these, you know, hurdles to clear with respect to the House, Senate, etc. But if they get themselves into a position where they can do what they want to do with that land and negotiate a deal with the team, that's what you want. And then the city's going to have to be competitive with other jurisdictions, Maryland and Virginia. Give me a guess as to what that deal would look like in terms of the financial, you know, net number contributed by the city towards a new stadium plan that the team would accept.
0: So, you know, it's been reported in a lot of places and even this morning in The Washington Post that $500 million is probably the floor because that was an artifact that the mayor and the council chairman created on the eve of of of, of Ted and Governor right. Leontis and Governor Yunkin coming together, that sounds a, that's that sounds about right. Uh, ultimately, and, and and the construct for, for for that was was remarkably different from the construct you're seeing developed in Virginia to finance the development at Potomac Yards for the Capitals and the Wizards. I think the construct that's being deployed in Virginia probably more resembles what you would see in the District or even in Maryland for what the club is looking to, to, to do as well. So I, I think $500 million is the floor, Kevin, to be quite honest, and I, I think it needs to go higher than that. This is especially something that's going to be, you know, under the administrative function of the city. It's going to still be on federally owned land. This will ultimately, I, I think, be a public-private partnership. There's still going to be billions in private investment. But I would also expect you know that number to be above $500 million from, from the city in either bonding authority or some allocation of general revenues for it to be competitive, Kevin. Let me be clear right. for it to be competitive. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, ultimately the team. Do you believe the team has more leverage today with Ted potentially taking the Wizards and Caps to Northern Virginia than it did two months ago?
0: The short answer to that is yes. Uh, The the long answer is that I think there was a pre-monumental Virginia decision phase of the commander search for a stadium and then a post-monumental Virginia agreement to to relocate those franchises as it affects the commander stadium. I think the blast radius was pretty significant. I do think it creates more leverage for for the commanders. And, And here's why. It's a conversation about what is regionalism. And what does economic development look like in this region as it involves our sports teams? And I think that's very, very important because the cities and the regions that do it well and don't get too bogged down about borders and turf wars are the ones that are going to see, I think, broader and more meaningful economic development that yeah. fully embraces these franchises and I think the opportunities they can be to create destinations, right? It's about destinations. Sure. Andover doesn't currently feel like a destination, right? But if it becomes a destination, if Potomac Yard becomes a destination, if downtown or RFK were to become a destination, that's economic development opportunity that, you, that just you can't find. These, these sports franchises, Kevin, are catalytic and their ability to spur economic development, which should, yes, provide a social good and should empower communities and should have the right amount of local input into how they're developed and how they function. But that's the opportunity here that we're talking about. And so, yes, I think that, I think the club has more leverage.
1: Catalytic big word from Joe. Everybody's looking through their thesaurus right now on that one. I think that would be sort of like uh, a verb for catalyst. I don't know. Um all right I've got, got literally 60 seconds here and but I've got two questions. What was the percent chance before yesterday that Washington ended up in DC and what is it today? That's number 1. Answer that one.
0: I would say it is even money right now. I would say it's I would say it's 50%. It moved from 40% to probably 50%. All
1: right. And then lastly, different subject. Uh, FedEx, you know, stop their naming rights. Use that exercise opportunity to get out two years prior to the end of the deal. Quick question: I think everybody understands what happened here, but will, do you think they'll get a new naming rights partner before the season begins? And if they don't, what would they call the stadium?
0: That's a great. Great question. Uh, I have just absolutely zero visibility into it. I think obtaining a naming rights partner before the start of the season is, is very, very difficult. The, the business development cycle for the start of the NFL calendar season is, is probably a few months ago. So to, to begin to traffic with some of these brands and these larger corporations on a spend as big as a naming rights deal would be really, really difficult to have it in place for the 24 season, Kevin. So, you know, what would they call it? I mean, Washington Commander Stadium seems to be the most obvious thing. Well they could uh, go back
1: to Jack Ken Cook Stadium. That's what it was before it became FedEx. And there may be some reverence for Jack Ken Cook with the new owners. I don't know. But I was just curious yeah. as to whether or not you thought there was a chance it sounds like it's, you know, it could be a challenge before the season begins. Uh, it, it could Great. be
0: it could be a challenge. I mean I would yeah. I would I would I would put a vote in for Bobby Mitchell um, as as the first yeah, player that's in the a good to one, club. Too. I think that would be a good
1: Joe, great job. Really appreciate the time and uh, the explanation on everything.
0: Thank you. Have a great day.
1: Yep. Uh, Follow Joe on X on Twitter, at Joey Maloney. Merrill Hodge
0: next. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.
1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state
0: law. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network.